This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. So we finished the poets of the Prophet and then we moved on now to uh, and we spoke about Nusayba who really doesn't fit in a category because she is truly one of her own. She is in a league all by herself. There is no one like Nusayba bint Ka'b But as I said last week, we want to now go into the keepers of the Qur'an from amongst the Ansar, from amongst those companions of the Prophet specifically from the Ansar who would maintain the Qur'an around the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And I want to recall a narration from Anas ibn Malik anhu, where he said, جَمَعَ الْقُرْآنَ عَلَىٰ عَهْدِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam أَرْبَعَةً كُلُّهُمْ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ He said that there were four people that were considered the keepers of the Qur'an when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam passed away, that memorized the Qur'an through and through, and committed its entirety to memory and basically could be the authorities of the Qur'an. And he said, Ubay ibn Ka'ab, wa Mu'adh ibn Jabal, wa Zayd ibn Thabit, wa Abu Zayd. So he mentions in this narration, Ubay ibn Ka'ab, Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Zayd ibn Thabit, and Abu Zayd. Now in one narration he also says Abu Darda'a. So again, Abu Darda, who we already covered, Ubay ibn Ka'ab, Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Zayd ibn Thabit, and Abu Zayd. So they asked Anas radiallahu anhu, who is Abu Zayd? Qala ahadu umumati, is one of my uncles. He was one of my paternal uncles. So he's not a famous companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So therefore from the famous companions of the Prophet sallallahu who were known to memorize the Qur'an, Zayd ibn Thabit, Ubay ibn Ka'ab, Mu'adh ibn Jabal and Abu Darda radiallahu ta'ala anhu in one narration. So we're going to cover the other three since we already covered Abu Darda radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And there is no person who has greater right to be spoken about when we're talking about the collection of the Qur'an than Zayd ibn Thabit. I want you to just imagine for a moment that the Qur'an that you pick up, every single time you read that mushaf, Zayd has a share of the reward. Because Zayd ibn Thabit is the person who collected the Qur'an both times. He is the one who authorized the collection of the Qur'an, who brought it together to be standardized and passed down both times. So just imagine, subhanAllah, the reward of this man, that each and every single time a Muslim picks up a mushaf and starts to recite the Qur'an, Zayd ibn Thabit gets a share so he is as Imam al-Dhahabi rahimahullah titled him Al-Imam Al-Kabir, Shaykh Al-Muqra'een Wal-Faradiyeen He says the Imam, the great Imam and the Shaykh of the people of Qira'ah of those who used to recite the Qur'an and Al-Faradiyeen are the people of inheritance the scholars of inheritance Mufti Al-Madina, the Mufti of Madina Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu ta'ala anhu he is from the same tribe as the maternal uh, relatives of the Prophet ﷺ from the Ansar. You all should be able to say this tribe now very quickly. Banu Najjar, very good. So he is from Banu Najjar, from Khazraj, which is the maternal relatives or the maternal tribe of the Prophet ﷺ. His father is a man by Thabit ibn Luhaq. And the beauty of Zayd ibn Thabit is that he actually narrates much of his story. So he says, my father Thabit ibn Dhahak was one of those who went out to fight on the day of Bu'ath, the major war that took place between Aus and Khazraj. My father was one of those people who went out to fight and he was killed on that day and Zayd was only six years old. So Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu became an orphan. Uh, because his father died in Bu'ath and he was only six years old. Now, subhanAllah, we talked about a great woman last week. And truly, when you talk about Zayd, the great woman in his life is his mother. His mother. And his mother's name is An-Nawar bint Malik. An-Nawar bint Malik. An-Nawar bint Malik, radiallahu ta'ala anha, 
She actually says that when I was pregnant with Zayd, I had an interesting dream. She said, I saw on the Kaaba, I saw myself when I was carrying Zayd, a dream of the Kaaba, and on the Kaaba was Khaz, Khudran, Wasufran, that uh, on the Kaaba, the Kiswa of the Kaaba was a cloth that was green and yellow silk. So this beautiful Kiswa that was covering the Kaaba. So she interpreted that dream at the time, you know, when she sees the Kaaba covered in this beautiful cloth, green and yellow cloth, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was going to give her someone very special through this child that she was pregnant with. And what we find from a Nawar bint Malik is that she is basically the woman in the background that then takes it upon herself to raise Zayd in a certain way. So subhanAllah, when you talk about the reward of Zayd, some of that credit goes to his mother radiallahu ta'ala anha who would invest in him as a widow that decided that my son is going to be exceptional. And I had this dream and I believe he's going to be exceptional. So she basically raises this six-year-old boy in this beautiful way to be a scholar. She doesn't know what he's going to be a scholar of yet because this is before Islam. But she wants him to be amongst those special uh, educated people from Al-Madinah. And the only narration we have actually from her that's authentic is a narration where she says, كَانَ بَيْتِي أَطْوَلَ بَيْتٍ حَوْلَ الْمَسْجِدِ فَكَانَ بِلَالٌ يُؤَذِّنُ فَوْقَهُ مِنْ أَوَّلِ مَا أَذَّنَ إِلَّا أَنْ بَنَى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ مَسْجِدَهُ So she, the only narration she has is that she says, my house was the tallest house next to where the eventual masjid of the Prophet would be built. So she says that before the masjid was built, the Prophet used to stand on my I'm sorry, Bilal used to stand on my house and give the adhan. The only thing we have from the mother of Zayd as a narration from her is this, that my house was the house that Bilal would stand on and give the adhan until the Prophet built his masjid and then Bilal would stand on that masjid and then in the end of that hadith in Abu Dawood that Zayd anhu would eventually lead her Salatul Janazah وَكَبَّرَ عَلَيْهَا arba'a, and he led the Janazah with four takbirat on his mother May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with them both So this is it But everything you're going to hear from Zayd has to do with the investment of a great mother um, in him So basically what she does with him is she sends him to some of the makatib, some of the places where people would learn to read. And at that time, who were the most literate people in Medina? Who do you think they were? The Jews, the Yahud, right? They had the Midrash system, the makatib of the Yahud. When you hear that, they had the Midrash system, the Torah schools, where the people would go, the children would go, and they would learn how to read. So they had some relatives that had converted to Judaism before Islam, so she allowed Zayd anhu to learn how to read and write بَيْنَ الْيَهُودِ فِي المكاتب, between the children of the Jewish community in Medina he learned how to read and write at a very early age now think about this by the way it was rare at that time to find an adult that was literate what do you do with a six-year-old boy that picks up how to read and write Right? So Zayd was a genius and he showed signs very early on of being quick, quick to pick up reading and writing, quick to grasp what was being taught to him. So what happens is Mus'ab comes to Medina. And Nawar bint Malik immediately accepts Islam with her son. Okay? Zayd was only 11 years old. And he memorized the entirety of what had been revealed from the Qur'an up until that point before the Prophet even got to Medina through Mus'ab. You understand how spectacular this is? This 11-year-old boy dedicated himself to the ambassador of the Prophet to Medina before the Prophet even got there with the support of his mother and memorized all of what Mus'ab had of the Qur'an before the Prophet even set foot in Medina. SubhanAllah. Then he tells the story. He says, so when the Prophet came to Medina, I was 11, right? My mom asked my, my relatives to take me to the Prophet and to let me read the Qur'an to the Prophet So he 
says that my relatives, maternal relatives, they take this kid genius to the Prophet right? So you have the story of Umm Sulaim bringing Anas and saying, Ya Rasulullah, just take him, right? And now you have a Nawar bint Malik saying, take my son to the Prophet and let him hear what my son has to offer. I have a special boy and I want the Prophet to hear what he has to offer. So they came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. فَقَالُوا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ هَذَا غُلَامٌ مِنْ بَنِي نَجَّارِ وَقَدْ قَرَأَ مِمَّا أُنْزِلَ عَلَيْكَ سَبْعَ عَشَرَةَ سُورَةٍ So, O Messenger of Allah, this is a young boy from Banu Najjar and he has 17 surahs of the Qur'an that, he's about to, that he can recite to you uh, with, from, from his memory. So listen to what he has to say. So I sat in front of the Prophet and I read to him. SubhanAllah, it's beautiful when you get a first-hand narration like this. Like I remember being brought as an 11-year-old, talk about being intimidated, <laughs> read to the Prophet You know, that's not like read to like the Imam of the Haram. Read to the Prophet so I read the entirety of what I memorized of the Qur'an to the Messenger So the Prophet was clearly pleased by what he saw. It's an amazing thing to, to witness, this child, you know, that is literate and that already memorizes the entirety of what has been revealed of the Qur'an to the Prophet Now the next request the Prophet is going to make of him is a very interesting request. Qala Ya Zayd. He said, Zayd. I said, Naam Ya Rasulullah. What is it, O Messenger of Allah? Qala ta'allam li kitaba Yahud. I want you to learn Hebrew. Pick up Hebrew for me. I want someone to communicate between me and the Jewish tribes in their language. So I want you to go learn Hebrew. I'm an 11 year old kid, I just memorized some of the Qur'an and my mom brought me to the Prophet and now go learn the language of the Jewish communities, go learn Hebrew. Zayd says, He said that, so I learned it and it only took me half a month, two weeks basically, to learn enough Hebrew to be able to write, read and write and communicate. So I came back to the Prophet and I told the Prophet I've got it. I'm good to go. He's not a normal kid. Let's be very clear here. Some of the kids are sitting here like, all right, so this is a new expectation. You know? Parents are gonna say, why can't you memorize the Quran in two weeks? Zayd did it, right? Go memorize, go learn a language or something. I mean, he's a special kid. He's a unique child in this regard. So the Prophet ﷺ was clearly pleased with that and Zayd who said I had the competency now to be able to read and write and communicate with the Jewish communities and the Prophet ﷺ said to me Do you know how to speak Syriac? Syriac is an ancient language. Much of the early scriptures of the Jews and the Christians are written in Syriac, right? So do you speak Suryaniya? Zayd says, no. So the Prophet says, go learn Syriac now. So Zayd goes, no Rosetta Stone, no language app, goes and he learns Syriac. So he said, I learned it in 17 days. Came back to the Prophet said, I've got Syriac down. And in one narration, the Prophet said, okay, what about Persian, Farsi? Go learn Persian. He said that took me 16 days precisely to go learn Persian. So basically, he's a scribe and he was a child that could read and write in Arabi, already in Arabic, when in a time where many adult you know, uh, companions, the majority of them could not read and write. And he went and he picked up enough languages to be able to communicate on behalf of the Prophet ﷺ to different religious communities. Now Zayd could have just kept it there and said that's it, but his mom and himself wanted more. He came to the Prophet ﷺ on the day of Badr. And the Prophet ﷺ sent him home because he was too young. He wasn't old enough to fight on the day of Badr. And his mother brings him back and he comes on the day of Uhud. 
Ya Rasulullah, I want to fight on your behalf. The Prophet ﷺ tells him he's still too young to fight. Now keep in mind, by the way, he had an older brother named Yazid uh, who did fight in the Battle of Badr and who would die shaheed in the Battle of Yamama. So he has a brother who's a Badri companion. One older brother named Yazid. But he was too young to fight on the days of Badr and Uhud. And subhanAllah, some of the scholars actually tie that context to his learning these languages. Like imagine, you know, you're, you're brought to the Prophet Sallallahu and, and you say, I want to fight and the Prophet Sallallahu says, you're too young. You know, like at what, what do you do at that point? Do you just go home and hang out and waste your youth? Or do you find something productive to do? What did Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu say he did? He dedicated himself to the Qur'an. He kept dedicating himself to the Qur'an. He kept on perfecting his recitation of the Qur'an. Right? So I can't be with the Prophet ﷺ in the battlefield, but I am going to perfect my recitation of the Qur'an. And so he rises amongst the companions quickly as this young man that is unmatched in his recitation of the Qur'an, in his scholarship of the Qur'an. Now, subhanAllah, fun, a fun fact, and it's, it's very interesting, um, but Zayd's eventual uh, wife, Zayd's eventual wife is a very interesting woman, so this is a little bit of a tangent, but it's a beautiful tangent, actually. You know the famous story of Abdurrahman ibn Awf, when he got to Medina and he was hosted by a man, Sa'ad ibn Rabi'a, who said, here's half of everything, half of my wealth, half of my gardens, half of my property, and he was married to two women. He said, you know, you can marry one of my two wives, whatever you want. I want to give you everything that I have because he was so generous. He sort of embodies the spirit of the Ansar. This man, Sa'ad ibn Rabi'ah was martyred on the day of Uhud. So follow me for a moment, inshallah. He was martyred on the day of Uhud. Zayd was too young to fight on the day of Uhud. So Sa'ad ibn Rabi'ah is one of the shuhada of Uhud radiallahu anhu. When Sa'ad was martyred, his wife was pregnant. And she gave birth to a girl named Jamila. Jamila bint Sa'ad. Because it's important to look at the women sometimes in the, series, in, in, in the story and the people behind the scenes. So Jamila bint Sa'ad was born an orphan girl. Her uncle as well, Sa'ad's brother, was also killed in Uhud. He's also one of the shuhada of Uhud. So she's basically an orphan girl. Abu Bakr anhu took care of her. And then when she got old enough, she married Zayd ibn Thabit. And this couple of Zayd ibn Thabit and Jamila bin Sa'ad actually produced one of the greatest scholars of all time, Kharij ibn Zayd, who we'll talk about. All right, so this is, subhanAllah, it's an interesting note because you can see the way a community is actually coming together and how this generation of companions is passing on another generation of incredible human beings. So Zayd radiallahu anhu was too young to fight in Uhud and his wife was born on the day of Uhud, basically, or right after Uhud, an orphan girl raised by Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and then eventually Jamila bin Sa'ad is the most famous wife of Zayd ibn Thabit, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. So Zayd radiallahu anhu kind of develops this reputation of being the Qari of the Prophet the one who would document the Qur'an when it would come to the Prophet Zayd radiallahu anhu says, كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِذَا نَزَلَ عَلَيْهِ الْوَحِي He said when the Prophet used to receive revelation, بَعَثَ إِلَيَّ He would immediately call for me. فَكَتَبْتُهُ And I would write that wahi. I would write the revelation as it came fresh to the Prophet So when the Prophet received the revelation, imagine being that young man, he said, where is Zayd? And another narration, the Prophet said, أُدْعُ لِي زَيْدًا as soon as he received the revelation, he said, go call Zayd. وَقُلْ لَهُ يَجِئُ بِالْكَتِفِ وَالدَّوَىٰ And tell him to bring the ink pot and to bring the parchments and, and, and the, the scrolls that he will write the Qur'an on. So Zayd was there with the Prophet ﷺ when he would receive the Qur'an and he would be the one to actually write it down and preserve it for the Prophet ﷺ and for the companions. So he becomes the most knowledgeable in the Qur'an. He knows multiple languages, radiallahu anhu. He's also, as the Prophet said in an authentic hadith, afradu ummati, Zayd ibn Thabit. The most knowledgeable person in my ummah on the laws of inheritance, 
was Zayd ibn Thabit, the most knowledgeable person in my ummah on the laws of inheritance. It goes back to his mom. You know why? Because his mom made sure he learned math. All right, so Zayd radiallahu anhu knew math. He knew how to read and write. He knew languages. He knew the Quran. So he grasped what very few people can grasp, by the way, the inheritance equations and the laws and be able to give fatwa with that. He grasped it radiallahu anhu so strongly that the Prophet ﷺ, by his testimony, he said, Zayd is the most knowledgeable of the laws of inheritance. Imam al-Sha'bi rahimahullah said, غَلَبَ زَيْدٌ النَّاسِ عَلَى اثْنَيْنِ Zayd anhu surpassed all the people in two things, Al-Qur'an wal-Fara'id, the Qur'an and the inheritance laws. And, uh, you know, in one narration, they, they said that the, the laws of inheritance would be lost if it wasn't for Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the way that he was able to codify it and able to immediately put it into application for people uh, during the generation of the companions and then immediately afterwards radiallahu anhu. So he is the scholar or one of the great scholars of this ummah. And he doesn't give up his dream of being next to the Prophet in battle. We find that Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu ta'ala anhu on the day of Khandaq comes back to the Prophet and he said, I was 16 years old. The Prophet said, okay, now you can fight. So Zayd anhu, despite being this scholar of the Qur'an, the scholar of the laws of inheritance, this scholar of languages, he says to the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, to the original intention, can I please serve alongside you in the battlefield? And the Prophet took him anhu, uh, in the Battle of Khandaq and allowed him to participate there. Now, it's very rare to find a person as well that all of the Sahaba gathered around this way and considered a scholar. There are a few people, rare people amongst the Sahaba in this regard. One of the most beautiful narrations is with Ibn Abbas Abdullah ibn Abbas who would go on to become known as Habrul Ummah, the scholar of the Ummah. He was only 13 when the Prophet died. His greatest teacher after the Prophet of course is Zayd ibn Thabit. His, so the teacher of the teacher of the Ummah is Zayd ibn Thabit. And one of the most beautiful images that you see, and it's from Adab Talib al-Ilm, from the manners of a student of knowledge, uh, you'll often find this narration in those manuals. Uh, Zayd radiallahu anhu, when he approached on his horse, or on his camel, Ibn Abbas radiallahu immediately goes and he grabs the reins and he starts to guide the horse and guide the camel. And Zayd radiallahu anhu says, Tanaha ya ibn Ammi Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's okay, let it go, O son of the, uh, of, of the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu O cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma would be taking him around and he would say, Inna hakada naf'alu bi'ulama'ina wa kubara'ina. This is how we treat our scholars and our elders. Zayd's like 18 and Ibn Abbas is like 12. <laughs> Talk about adab being learned early on, subhanAllah. This is how we treat our scholars and our elders. Zayd radiallahu anhu gets down and he kisses the hand of Ibn Abbas and he says, هَكَذَا نَفْعَلُوا بِآلِ بَيْتِ نَبِيِّنَا sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is how we treat the family of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is that nurturing of these young people around the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhuma says about him, لَقَدْ عَلِمَ الْمَحْفُوظُونَ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ أَنَّ زَيْدِ بْنَ ثَابِتٍ مِنَ الرَّاسِخِينَ فِي الْعِلْمِ The companions of the Prophet knew that Zayd is one of the most foremost in knowledge and they used to praise him as such. This young man amongst us who everyone knew was a special scholar, a special, uh, a special young man. Ali ibn al-Madini, rahimahullah, who was the teacher of Imam Bukhari, Rahimahullah, one of the great teachers. He says about Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says, لم يكن من الصحابة أحد له أصحاب حفظوا عنه وقاموا بقوله في الفقه إلا ثلاثة. He said that there are only three companions of the Prophet that basically had madhahab of sorts, that had their own schools of thought, right? That people would quote them and they were basically schools of fiqh in and of themselves. And he says, Zayd wa Abdullah, meaning Ibn Mas'ud, Ibn Abbas. So Zayd and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and Abdullah ibn Abbas. And the narrations in this regard are many. 
um, Masruq radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says that كان أصحاب الفتوى من أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم that the people of fatwa from the companions of the Prophet were Umar and Ali and Ibn Mas'ud and Zayd and Ubay and Abu Musa. So again, Umar and Ali and Ibn Mas'ud and Zayd and Ubay and Abu Musa radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'een. Uh, Imam al-Sha'bi rahimahullah says al-qada'u arba'ah the judges of the companions are four Umar wa Ali wa Zayd wa ibn Mas'ud Umar, Ali, Zayd and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'een so the narrations are, are many about sort of the, the man's school of thought and when you read the books of hadith some of the most technical narrations are from Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu where he's breaking down property laws inheritance laws uh, disputes Zayd is often the one who's judging even between the companions in regards to their disputes. And his greatest impact actually is on the school, the madhab of Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala. I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because we're still in the time of the Prophet but it gives you a little bit of his personality. Imam Malik rahimahullah said, كَانَ إِمَامُ النَّاسِ عِنْدَنَا بَعْدِ عُمَرِ زَيْدِ بْنُ ثَابِتِ وَكَانَ إِمَامَ النَّاسِ عِنْدَنَا بَعْدِ زَيْدِ بْنُ عُمَرِ that to us, Umar bin Khattab is the greatest influence on our school. And then it's Zayd, and then it's Ibn Umar. Okay? And one of the famous things about Zayd is that when he was asked about something, he would respond and say, Did it happen yet? So if they said yes, then he would give an answer. Meaning what Zayd did not like people engaging hypotheticals. You know, knowledgeable people tend to get into the hypotheticals, the theoreticals, and they spend a lot of times talking about things that haven't happened yet and don't actually happen, right? And so Zayd was cautious with his knowledge. So he would ask you if you asked him about a situation, did it happen? Before you even, you know, are you just trying to get me to break down some complicated inheritance law for you? Or did this situation actually happen? And if they said yes, then he would respond. And if it did not happen, then he would say, Then come back to me if it happens. Meaning he was cautious with the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given to him. He also took some of the uh, manners of how to teach from the Prophet So his most famous son, Kharija ibn Zayd, he says, دَخَلَ نَفْرٌ عَلَى زَيْدِ بْنِ ثَابِتٍ فَقَالُوا لَهُ that a group of young men entered upon Zayd and they said, teach us some of the narrations of the Prophet He said, what should I teach you? And he says, Kuntu jarahu. I was the neighbor of the Prophet When revelation used to come to the Prophet he used to call for me and I used to come and write for him. But this is what he says about the Prophet ﷺ. He says, When we used to sit with the Prophet ﷺ, if we talked about worldly things, the Prophet ﷺ engaged us in those discussions. So he talked about normal things as well, but he gave beneficial advice about the dunya. And if we talked about the affairs of the hereafter, the Prophet ﷺ talked about the affairs of the hereafter with us. And if we talked about food, the Prophet ﷺ talked about food with us. Meaning what? That the Prophet ﷺ was a very approachable human being. You could sit with him, and it wasn't only that you talked to him about the hereafter. Right? So he said, I'll relate to you what the Prophet ﷺ had to say about all of this. Basically saying that it's not like the Prophet ﷺ only used to talk to us about this stuff. So what do you want me to say to you? about the Prophet I have a whole list of occasions I could tell you about his shama'il sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now, one of my favorite narrations about him in this, in this hadith is a narration from Anas. And Anas radiallahu anhu describes himself as a student of Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu. And he says that one day, the Prophet and Zayd ibn Thabit had suhoor together, tasahara. So once they finished their suhoor together, the Prophet got up to go to Salat al-Fajr and he prayed. So they asked Zayd because he ate suhoor with the Prophet and then they went out to pray Fajr. 
They asked Zayd, how long was the time between suhoor and the actual Fajr prayer? From the time that the Adhan of Fajr basically came in to the time the Prophet actually ended up praying. He could have answered anhu, and he could have said, you know, it was about 30 minutes, it was this long or that long. And instead, he said it was about the time that it would take to read 50 ayat of the Qur'an. So like he measures time by ayat of the Qur'an. He said it was about the time that it would take to read 50 ayat of the Qur'an. That is what I took from uh, the Prophet ﷺ in that regard. So basically he describes even his time by the Qur'an. That's the amount of attachment that he has to the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another narration, subhanAllah, about the intimacy of Zayd anhu to the fresh revelation. This is one of the most powerful narrations about the revelation of the Qur'an. When the Prophet used to receive the Qur'an, you noticed it on him. Right? It was heavy. And when he would receive the Qur'an وسلم, I mean the description of him is that if he was sitting on a camel, then the knees of the camel would buckle. The Qur'an, if it was revealed on a mountain, it would shatter the mountains. And the Prophet had to receive the Qur'an upon his heart. So when the Qur'an came upon the Prophet you could see the effect of it on the Prophet And he said, I was with the Prophet and his leg was on top of my leg. You know, like we were sitting together, young people sitting together uh, as, as, as a means of just brotherhood and friendship, a student with his teacher. Uh, somehow, the Prophet ﷺ was leaning on Zayd anhu, and the Qur'an started to descend upon the Prophet ﷺ. And he said, I looked at the Prophet ﷺ and I knew that it was coming down to him in those moments. And Allah revealed to the Prophet ﷺ, that not equal are those who sit back and those who go forth with the Prophet from the believers. Not equal are those who sit back and, the, and those who go forth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the Prophet. Zayd says, the Prophet's leg was on my leg. And his leg became so heavy that I thought I was going to lose my leg that day. He said his leg weighed so much when the revelation came to him. He said, Wallahi, I thought I was about to lose my leg. And he said, until the revelation stopped coming to the Prophet and it relieved. And Ibn Umm Maktoum, the blind companion, came to the Prophet and he complained that, Ya Rasulullah, what about those of us who can't go out? Like he saw as a condemnation of Al-Qa'idun, those that sit. And Jibreel alayhi salam came back to the Prophet with the completion of the ayah, غَيْرُ أُولِدْ Except for those who have an excuse. And Zayd when he was narrating this, he said that I swear by Allah, as if I'm looking at the place on the shoulder, meaning the parchment, that the Prophet commanded me to write. Like I'm narrating this incident to you and I'm remembering it so fresh. I remember the Prophet telling me to write down the Qur'an as it came to him and this, the, the heaviness, the weight of the word of Allah and the Prophet physically was so heavy that I almost lost my leg when the Prophet was leaning on me on that day as the Qur'an came to him sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You can imagine then that Zayd has a very different relationship with the Qur'an. Imagine having been there, right? What the Qur'an means to you. Like how special is it when he recites the Qur'an, when he can actually recall the times that it came to the Prophet and narrate those times that it came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So some of the Sahaba, they came to Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu and they asked uh, Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu what do you think about someone who finishes the Qur'an in seven days? فَقَالَ زَيْدُ حَسَنْ Zayd said, that's good. He said, but I prefer to recite it over two weeks. It's a very interesting lesson. So, 
the, the, you know, the people were confused and Zayd anhu said, aren't you going to ask me why that is? Why two weeks or in one narration two weeks or ten days, meaning I prefer to extend it a little bit, to recite it a little bit slower. So they, they asked Zayd anhu, why is that? And he said, Because I like to actually reflect on the verses and spend my time, take my time with its, with its reflection. So you find some companions that, of course, used to recite the Qur'an in much shorter spans, and you find some companions that used to prefer to drag it out. Everything is ibadah when it comes to the Qur'an. Everything is worship when it comes to the Qur'an. And of course, when Ramadan came, it was the ibadah of recitation. Right, the khatams of the Qur'an. But here you have Zayd saying that I personally prefer to drag out the recitation so that so that I could do proper tadabbur, I could do proper reflection on the Qur'an when I recite the Qur'an. He took from the Prophet also a very beautiful characteristic of how he was with his family. How he was with his family. And this is very interesting because it's in Kitab Husn al-Khuluq, the book of Al-Adab al-Mufrad from Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah, which talks about the manners, uh, the, the noble manners, the book of Husn al-Khuluq, the book of good character. And there's a narration from Thabit ibn Ubaid about Zayd ibn Thabit. So most of these narrations are about the Prophet Of course, in Adab al-Mufrad, Bukhari sometimes puts some of the narrations about the companions. Qala ma ra'aytu ahadan. Which basically translates into what? I never saw a man in my life who had such dignity when he sat with the people. Meaning like, you know, uh, I mean, you're talking about glory, literally here, right? Like when the man is there, everyone is like, that's Zayd ibn Thabit. He had that presence, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. But at the same time, وَلَا أَفْكَهَ فِي بَيْتِهِ Who was more playful in his home than Zayd ibn Thabit. Isn't that beautiful? This great teacher of the Ummah. I never saw anyone who was more serious, dignified when he was with the people, yet more playful when he was with his family, that he balanced those two characteristics, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, like Zayd ibn Thabit, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. It shows you the impact of the Qur'an, the impact of that companionship of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam upon him. And there is a narration about him as well, and they are many about his virtues, that Zayd radiallahu anhu was very um, insistent upon being early to the Salah and catching the Salah. And one day he came to the Salah and the people were leaving. And he put his head down and he said, Innahu manna yastahi min nas la yastahi min Allah person who's not ashamed from the people is not ashamed from Allah. Basically, what the Prophet said, if you have no shame, then do as you wish. He's saying, you know, the shame that I feel right now, walking into the masjid when people have already finished their salah and leaving, that a person who doesn't feel that hayat, that level of modesty and that level of shame, is not going to feel shame from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not going to feel shame uh, from, from God and from the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this was Zayd with the Prophet ﷺ, a dignified man, a person of the Qur'an, a person that people surrounded and learned from in every way that they possibly could, and has a position amongst the companions while he's still a teenager. All of this is while he's still a teenager, so what then of the old age when he grows up and can command a level of respect and can command um, uh, a greater level of systemizing what he learned from the Prophet ﷺ after he passes away. He's also one of those people who remember when the Prophet ﷺ passed away, there was a chance of, of, tri- of tribulation, of fitna between the people of Medina and the people of Mecca, the Ansar and the Muhajireen. He's one of the people that stood up and said, Inna Rasulullah kana min al-Muhajireen wa nahnu ansaruhu wa inna ma yakunu al-imamu min al-Muhajireen wa nahnu ansaruhu. Said the Prophet was from the Muhajireen, was from the people who migrated from Mecca, and we supported the Prophet. We were his Ansar. The Imam, therefore, should be from the Muhajireen, and we will continue to be their Ansar. We will continue to support and be of great help. 
Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu mentioned that to Zayd radiallahu anhu, he said, Jazakumallahu khayra ya ma'ashar al-ansar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you, O people of the Ansar. Wathabbata qailakum. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant firmness the, you know, to, to, to the one who speaks. And he said, if you, if, if you spoke other than that, that it would have been a hindrance. Meaning Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu had a level of tawfiq, a level of blessing and weight in his voice where he was able to be a part of keeping the community together and keeping them moving in one single direction. So this is his life with the Prophet Now, where does he really shine after all of this? What was Allah preparing him for? It was inconceivable to the companions of the Prophet that the Qur'an would ever be lost. Inconceivable. Why? Because you had so many people that were with the Prophet and that memorized the Qur'an. So the idea of the Qur'an being lost was not a real idea, right? It wasn't a real fear. Until the man who we spoke in detail about last week did what he did. Who was the tyrant that we spoke about last week? Musaylam al-Kadhaq, the man who crucified and dismembered Habib ibn Zayd, the son of Nusayba. Uh, bin Ka'b, the man who would murder without conscience and who was killing so many of the companions of the Prophet And so what ends up happening is that the battle of Yamama takes place. This is the battle where Nusayba anha, and her son Abdullah anhu, are there to witness the death of this false prophet, the death of this tyrant Musaylam al-Kadhaq. And this is the battle in which Zayd's brother as well died. Yazid, his older brother, was a shaheed in the battle of Yamama, and Zayd himself fought in the battle of Yamama. So what happens after that is that Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu goes up to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he says that, إِنَّ الْقَتْلَ قَدْ اسْتَحَرَّ يَوْمَ الْيَمَامَةِ بِالنَّاسِ وَإِنِّي أَخْشَى أَنْ يَسْتَحِرَّ الْقَتْلُ بِالْقُرَّاءِ فِي الْمَوَاطِنِ فَيَذْهَبَ كَثِيرٌ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ He said that, look, so many people were killed in the battle of Yamama. There are so many casualties. I mean, we never thought we'd lose so many companions just like that. So many people were killed on the day of Yamama, and I'm afraid that in other battlefields, more hafad of the Qur'an are going to be killed. Back then, the companions memorized the Qur'an. The Qur'an was compiled upon parchments and upon scrolls in the house of Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala anha and in different places, copies. But the idea of needing even a mushaf to pass around, you know, for people to print the mushafs, they didn't think they needed that because so many people are hafaz anyway. But Umar radiallahu anhu from his foresight, he goes to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and he says, listen, we saw how many companions just died. And I'm afraid that there could be another mass killing of companions of the Prophet So he says, I think, O Abu Bakr, that you should order an official commission to compile the Qur'an and then we have multiple copies so that it doesn't get lost. So that we don't have any fear of multiple people being killed. Abu Bakr anhu says to Umar, How should I do what the Prophet himself did not do? Meaning this commission, the Prophet did not do it in this way. So how should I do what the Prophet did not do? Umar anhu said, I promise you, Abu Bakr, I swear by Allah that this is a good thing. This is not an innovation. The Prophet taught us to write the Qur'an and to memorize the Qur'an. This is just having an extra measure of safety, of preservation of the Qur'an. So in this beautiful conversation, you know, and talk about one conversation that changes the course of history, <laughs> Abu Bakr and Umar both agree that the only person that could oversee a project like this is Zayd ibn Thabit. Zayd ibn Thabit is 20 years old. <laughs> and about to undertake the most important task probably in the history of the Ummah. Right? 20 years old, or 21 max, and he has to come forth now. And the two shaykhs of the Prophet ﷺ, the two elders from the companions, call him and they sit him down, and they say to Zayd 
listen, we need you to oversee the compilation of the Mus'haf. We want to have this preserved in multiple ways. And you're the only person who we think is fit to lead this. Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu is like taken aback, like this is a heavy responsibility, like me? So he says, فَلَمْ يَزَلْ kept on doing so until it uh, until it, it finally sat well with uh, Zayd radiallahu anhu as it did with Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said to Zayd إِنَّكَ رَجُلٌ شَابٌ عَاقِلٌ وَلَا نَتَّهِمُكَ This is a beautiful testimony of character. You're a young man, you're intelligent, your character is flawless. Meaning you have the mind for it and you have the character for it. We know you to be a trustworthy person. We know you to be a person who does not cheat, who does not lie. So we trust you. To hear that from Abu Bakr is a huge testimony. Right? Imagine being this 20-year-old, hearing that from Abu Bakr in the presence of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He says that Abu Bakr continued, and he said, "Kunta taktubul You were the one the Prophet used to call to write the wahi. You were the most famous scribe of the Prophet with the revelation. So we need you to compile it once again. We need you to oversee its compilation once again. Zayd radiallahu anhu says, "Wallahi law kallafani." نَقْلَ جَبَلًا مِنَ الْجِبَالِ مَا كَانَ أَثْقَلَ عَلَيَّ مِمَّا أَمَرَنِي بِهِ مِنْ جَمْعِ الْقُرْآنِ He said, I swear by Allah, if Abu Bakr told me to move a mountain from the mountains, it would not be greater than what he asked me to do in compiling the Qur'an. Like, what an important job here. <laughs> I have to oversee the standardization of the Mus'haf. So Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, so I went and I started to go through, go through all of those that memorized the Qur'an, checking multiple times, collecting all of that which was written in the house of Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala anha. And you talk about peer review, peer review after peer review after peer review, peer review with this companion, this companion, this companion, this person who heard it from the Prophet multiple times, this person who heard it from the Prophet multiple times. So beautiful, subhanAllah, that this is the level of preservation of our Qur'an. This is only within a year of the death of the Prophet وسلم, until he compiled it into that single official Mus'haf, which is the Mus'haf that we have with us, that we read from today in how it was passed down. And then that went to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, and then that was passed to Umar radiallahu anhu, and then passed to uh, Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and preserved in the house of Hafsa radiallahu so Zayd is responsible for the first official standardization, compilation of the Qur'an in the single Mus'haf that we still benefit from today. SubhanAllah. And he did that as a 20 or 21-year-old. Right? You talk about empowering the young companions, a 21-year-old that was given the most important task that the Ummah possibly has ever had. He goes on, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, to remain a faqih, a jurist, a judge amongst the companions. In the time of Umar bin Khattab, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Ibn Umar, radiallahu anhu, says something really interesting. He says that Umar, radiallahu anhu, he sent the, the jurists of the companions to all sorts of places. فَرَّقَهُمْ Umar فِي الْبُلْدَانِ He sent them to different places. And he told them not to repeat except what they learned from the Prophet ﷺ, meaning he told them, Nahahum and yuftu bira'ihim told them not to give fatwa except by what they heard from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Wahabasa Zaid bil Madina yufti ahlaha. And then he habasa Zaid would mean like he held on to Zaid, like he held Zaid in Medina so that Zaid could be the mufti of Medina. Everyone else can go somewhere. Zaid, you have to stay in Medina. So he appoints Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu to be the official mufti of Medina in his khidafa. And this is one of the greatest testimonies as well to his scholarship. كان عمر الخطاب رضي الله عنه يستخلفه إذا حج على المدينة When Umar رضي الله عنه would go to Hajj, he put Zayd in charge of Medina. And then eventually, Umar رضي الله عنه would put Zayd in charge of Medina في كل سفر. Anytime Umar had to leave Medina, it was understood رضي الله عنه that he would put 
Zayd in charge of Medina. Young man who is noted again for his scholarship, for his character uh, in this regard. Uh, there's a powerful narration, and this shows you again the human side of the companions. That one time in the Khilaf of Umar, Umar ibn Khattab and Ubay ibn Ka'ab got into a dispute. And they, they disputed over some trees, some palm trees. And Ubay radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, Afi sultanika ya Umar? Even in your khilaf, oh Umar, like I can't believe I'm disputing with you. So Umar radiallahu anhu says, Ij'al bayni wa baynaka rajula. Appoint a judge between us. He's the Khalifa, but he says, all right, let's find a judge. So they agree upon Zayd. Zayd radiallahu anhu, who is literally old enough to be a child of Umar al-Khattab. Zayd radiallahu anhu sits between Umar and Ubay, and he asks uh, Ubay ibn Ka'ab uh, for uh, his evidence. And he said, Mali bayina, I don't have any evidence. So he said, then you, you, know, th- then, then you have to re- release Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu from taking an oath, al-yameen. So Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, do not release Umar al-Khattab from his yameen, from an oath, unless you know that he's free from the charge. No, like Zayd, it's okay. Judge between us in the best way that you see fit. This is the culture, the adab that was created, subhanAllah, around the scholar, even with the khalifa. SubhanAllah, you talk about ulama al-sultan, the idea of scholars, the clergy class, you know, being hijacked by governments, by corrupt government, the, hisp- the history of Yahya, John, alayhi salam, right? And the history of so many, until today, right? When, when, when governments can silence scholars and then use them to give a religious stamp of approval, here you have Zayd radiallahu anhu in his 20s being able to sit with the Khalifa and to judge between the Khalifa and another person in uh, the Ummah. Zayd radiallahu anhu, he said he carried himself in a certain way, there are narrations about him walking through the marketplace and then making judgments on disputes that were happening in the marketplace. Again, he had a quick mathematical mind. So when people would dispute over things, he could judge between them. Uh, there was also a, a narration in of a man that captured a bird in Medina. And Zayd anhu walked up to him and he removed his hands and he let the bird go free. And he said, don't you know the Prophet forbade that? Like you doing this here in Medina, capturing birds and and things of that sort. Ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah, he even has a narration about himself where he was in a, in, in a bind with a, a trade in the marketplace and Zayd radiallahu anhu took his hand and Zayd advised Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah in regards to the fiqh of that transaction. And there are multiple narrations about his integrity and his refusal to be bribed. Zayd radiallahu anhu was an unbribable uh, person. You could not take advantage of his scholarship and you could not uh, you could not manipulate him radiallahu ta'ala anhu so he's already got a pretty impressive resume and then the second collection of the Quran is to come now subhanAllah the first time the first time the Quran was collected was because there was a fear from Umar bin Khattab that too many of those who memorized the Quran would be killed the second time is in the khilaf of Uthman radiallahu anhu for the exact opposite reason that the Qur'an is being recited with its various recitations in too many parts of the world now. So we need to have a, the standardized version of it and that be the official mus'haf upon the harf of Quraysh, upon the dialect of the Quraysh. If you want to get more into that, then you can read a paper on Yaqeen Institute called Variant Readings of the Qur'an. It's a beautiful paper, mashallah, which goes through the history of the variant readings of the Qur'an. But Uthman anhu sees another fear that people will recite the Qur'an in, uh, in, in different uh, ways, in a way that would potentially lose the standardization of it. So he once again orders for a committee to be formed, and Zayd ibn Thabit ta'ala anhu is called forth to oversee that process of keeping the Mus'haf now in multiple copies so that the Qur'an is not changed, so that nothing happens uh, to its recitation radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So he, once again, and if you open the Qur'an, of course, you're going to see that this is al-Mus'haf al-Uthmani. That is the, that is the work of Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu ta'ala anhu and properly arranging it in the way that you read it today. So every single time you open that Mus'haf, this is where it's coming from uh, in regards to the reward. Of course, it comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but the reward and those who organized it 
so that it could be printed and reprinted and handed down from generation to generation as it continued to be preserved in its oral uh, format. Uh, when Uthman عنه, was under uh, siege, as we know that he was, uh, Zayd was one of those who stood up and he specifically tried to speak to the people of Medina to not participate in the murder of Uthman عنه. He stood up and he said, Ya lil ansar kunu ansar Allah. Ya lil ansar kunu ansar Allah. O ansar, be ansar of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Be helpers on the side of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahi inna damahu laharam. I swear by Allah that his blood is sacred. Do not let this happen on your watch. So Zayd was one of those who tried to protect the life of Uthman anhu before he was assassinated. And then after that, when the fitna broke out, uh, he took the side of Ali ibn Abi Talib anhu, still refusing to fight until, they say, until Amar ibn Yasir anhu was killed. Then Zayd anhu took an active role in uh, fighting on the side of Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu and trying to end the fitna of that time. And then he passes away in Al-Madina uh, 45 years after the Hijrah. So pretty considerably after the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and having seen much of Islamic history and passed down many of the narrations on behalf of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now this is something very unique about this biography. There are very few people, and honestly, I don't know of, of, of another Sahabi other than the Khulafa al-Rashidin, who you have so many testimonies about them at the time of their death. And it's powerful uh, to see the way people spoke about him and the implications the companions felt by his death. Now remember, the Prophet said that one of the signs of the Day of Judgment is the death of the scholars. Something that we see all the time, right? In this era, subhanAllah, we've witnessed it, right? The last major scholar, Shaykh Yusuf al-Qaradawi, rahimahullah ta'ala, so many great scholars that have been passing away one after the other. Shaykh al-Afandi, rahimahullah ta'ala, all of these scholars passing away in, in Pakistan, in Turkey, in Egypt, in Saudi Arabia, all over, right? And, you, and we feel that, that knowledge being taken away from us. And it's a scary time for us. The companions... They thought that the Day of Judgment may come in their, own, in their own lifetimes. And when Zayd passed away, that was the hadith that came to their minds. It's just really amazing if you think about it, because that's the level of knowledge that he had, and that's the level of respect that he commanded. So when he passed away, Abdullah ibn Umar anhu said, مَا تَعَالِمُ النَّاسِ The alim of the people died today. The scholar of the people passed away today. Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, ma tahabrul ummah, the scholar of this ummah has died, It may be that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma to be his successor. Abdullah ibn Abbas, who has the famous title, Habrul ummah, the scholar of this ummah. So Abu Huraira is saying, the teacher of the teacher just died. The scholar of the scholar just died. And it may be that Ibn Abbas will follow him in that. And subhanAllah, the most touching one is actually with Ibn Abbas himself. Uh, Hamad ibn Salama, he narrates that when Zayd passed away, um, a group of people came to Ibn Abbas to console him. And he was sitting under a shade. Jalasna ibn Abbasim fi dhil. He was sitting under a shade. So I want you to think of the imagery, right? This man learned, the scholar of this ummah, Ibn Abbas learned so much from him, from Zayd ibn Thabit And he realizes the implications and we're going to him to give him our condolences and to comfort him. And Ibn Abbas responded and he said, He said, this is what the Prophet was talking about with the death of the scholars. So much knowledge was just buried. Talk about a perspective. So much ilm just got buried. You know, when, when you hear the death of a scholar and you wonder about the implications of it. You know, and again, we've been witnessing the passing of so many great scholars in our time. He said, so much ilm just got buried. What a sad day for us to see that. Uh, Kharija, Nuzayd, his son, also narrates 
that he was trying to stop all of the, uh, the, the, the women from Al-Awali, which was the area where Zayd al-Bi'ala'u lived, and the Nisa al-Ansar, the women of the Ansar, from coming and wailing and crying over him. Right? Because it was their practice, of course, niyaha, which was to wail, to mourn at death, and this was a practice of jahiliyyah. And the implications, when Zayd al-Bi'ala'u passed away, it just provoked those early emotions and those early practices and Kharija was trying to stop them and saying, don't cry over him this way, don't cry over him this way, don't cry over him this way. The Prophet ﷺ forbade us uh, from that. Uh, Ahmad ibn Abdullah al-Ijli, he said, The people have been left now on the qira'ah of Zayd, on the recitation of Zayd, and on the inheritance laws of Zayd. So he never dies in this regard, right? I mean, this type of a scholar never dies. And then subhanAllah, the, the greatest way to end in this tribute of him is a poem from Hassad ibn Thabit Because of course, who else, right? And Hassad ibn Thabit happened to be at the janazah of Zayd ibn Thabit and he was repeating this line. He said, فَمَنْ لِلْقَوَافِ بَعْدَ حَسَّانَ وَابْنِهِ وَمَنْ لِلْمَثَانِ بَعْدَ زَيْدِ ibn Thabiti. He said, who is left to recite poetry greater than Hassan and his son? But who is left to recite Al-Mathani, the Qur'an, the oft-repeated verses, than Zayd ibn Thabit? Right? So basically, you know, and this, this really encapsulates what we've been speaking about. The shu'ara of the Prophet ﷺ, the poets of the Prophet ﷺ, Hassan is saying that I may have mastered poetry, and it may be that me and my son, Abdurrahman, who also Abdurrahman ibn Hassan ibn Thabit was a great poet, says it may be that I and my son have been left behind to be the greatest reciters of poetry, but who is greater than Zayd ibn Thabit when it comes to al-Mathani, the oft-repeated verses of the Qur'an? His legacy, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, first and foremost, is with his children. So Zayd, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, had several children. Uh, some of those children were named after prophets. So he had Sulaiman ibn Zayd, Ismail ibn Zayd, Yahya ibn Zayd. Uh, some of them were named, he had Abdurrahman and Abdullah, the two most beloved names to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He had As'ad ibn Zayd and Ubadah ibn Zayd. It's two famous Ansar. As'ad ibn Zawara and Ubadah ibn Samad. So he had As'ad and he had Ubadah. And he had a Sa'ad ibn Zayd as well. Uh, but his most famous son was uh, Kharija ibn Zayd radiallahu anhu. Kharija ibn Zayd went on to become one of those who are known as Al-Fuqaha al-Sab'a, the seven jurists of Medina. The seven great scholars of Medina, these were the seven great scholars, Fuqaha al-Sab'a, that were children of the Sahaba that basically governed al-Medina after the death of the companions of the Prophet And Kharija was a copy of his father. Everything from his character to his scholarship to even his handwriting and the way he would address people was a copy of his father. And that is a testimony to Zayd with his own family. And uh, they said that Kharija, for example, uh, He would uh, address people, he would greet people when he would write the way that Zayd would greet people. This was the way that Zayd would address the Khalifa. So even when he wrote to the Khalifa, Assalamu alayka ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, wa maghfiratuhu, wa tayyibu salawatihi, the mercy of Allah, his blessings and his forgiveness and the best of his prayers. Uh, this was his way, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and what he left behind in his son as well, of scholarship and multiple narrations, over a hundred narrations that directly involve him, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, none being greater than, of course, that which was preserved uh, of the Book of Allah, Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, they, you know, those that recited the Quran to him were Ibn Abbas uh, and, and, and many of the companions, and those that were considered his students were Abu Huraira and Ibn Abbas, Ibn Umar, Abu Sa'id al Khudri, uh, and so many others of the, of, the, of the noble companions that were much older than him, but that considered themselves students of his and that narrated from him as well. So, when you talk about young people and great young people uh, from the companions, uh, it starts with this man, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward and be pleased with Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu ta'ala anhu for his service to Islam, for his service to the Qur'an, 
her service to the Messenger وسلم, and his mother, Nawar bint Malik, for her foresight in raising a son in that way. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send his peace and blessings upon our Messenger Muhammad وسلم, and his family and companions. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to join us with them and with the righteous ones. Allahumma ameen. Inshallah ta'ala, next week we will continue. Uh, so I'm going to give you all a choice Mu'ad ibn Jabal or Ubay ibn Ka'b. Everyone said Mu'ad. No Ubays, no votes for Ubay? All right, we got one vote for Ubay ibn Ka'b. We're going to go with the Jama'ah though. We'll do Mu'ad ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu next week, inshallah, and continue in this regard. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.